If you will, get your Bibles or a New Testament, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 23. In just a few moments, we'll begin reading at verse 25. Appreciate all the thoughts that Reagan has had already uh, in the announcements. Uh, I think he has the hardest job there is when you have to do the announcements. Uh, we'd rather preach 10 times than do uh, announcements. So uh, he's done a fine job with that. He's been very kind. And people sometimes ask me, he said, well, how was, how was Reagan when he was a kid? Well, just look at him right now. That's how Reagan was when he was a kid. He was a great kid. He was a he was a calm child, and we, when he was born, Christy was still in school, and I'd take him to the office with me, and I'd put a blanket out and put all these toys out. And Reagan is sometimes, uh, you know, very artistic. He'd, he'd look at the colors of something for 30 minutes. And he was just a dream at the office. And then five years, two months later, then we had Mashea. And she was the total opposite of Reagan. And I thought, if I'd had Mashea first, I'd never be able to take her to the office. She'd be trying to run around everywhere, and we'd have to crowd her. Uh, and it just reminds you the difference, uh, differences in kids and the fact that they both are precious in the sight of God, precious to parents and grandparents. And then they, have, with their own personality, serve the Lord in, in his way. So... We're so proud of both of them, and, and Reagan has always been a blessing to us. And I know he's a blessing to y'all, and y'all are a blessing to him. In Matthew 23, starting in verse 25, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and hip, uh, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside... They are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And think about the cleansing of our whole self. That's just totally contrary uh, to what, how the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders lived in the first century. Here, these were the people that taught the law. These are the ones that are supposed to be experts in the law. These are the ones that were supposed to lead the people into righteousness and have manifest that righteousness in their own life. And Jesus describes them as hypocrites or play actors. And then that, beaut- that, that statement, he says, you appear righteous to men. And, and you remember on the Sermon on the Mount, when the, they pray or give alms or, or, do, or do other things in service to the Lord, Jesus said, you do not want to sound a trumpet. Do, 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 here I am. I'm praying to God. I want to let everyone know that. But in a public, a private prayer, you need to go into your room and, and bow down to God and pray to him privately and with the right heart. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said it this way, verses 19 and 20. 
He says, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, <coughs> fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. So any overt action, good or bad, begins where? In our minds. That is why the Apostle Paul emphasized that we should think on things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report in Philippians 4 and verse 8. And this reminds us that the battle against the devil begins with our minds. We have a choice to think on things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report, or we have a choice to fill our minds with the things that are worldly and evil. Now, the devil has done his work well in our society where he's developed so many things that could manifest this evil in the lives of people. You think about social media. When we were growing up, we didn't have to worry about social media. But these young people do in this generation. And then you have adults that should know better. They get involved in social media, and they say say things in that social media uh, forum that they'd never say to somebody face-to-face. It's sinful, brethren. We know better. We should do better. We should act better. We should have the disposition of mind that we're going to treat people with kindness and, and loveliness and with purity and justice and be noble in what we say and be true with what we say. And you have all this nonsense that takes place in these uh, areas of like Facebook and other uh, techno- technological areas. And we know better than to talk that way and express ourselves that way. And we should be saying things that are positive and kind and lovely. But we do have a choice. We do have a choice. We can think on things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and are good report. And we could fill, or we can fill our minds with things that are worldly and evil. You see, the Pharisees of Jesus' time looked outwardly religious, but Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus didn't reprove the, the people of his day for doing those things commanded by God. He wanted them to do that. If it was commanded by God, he wanted them to obey that. But he reproved hypocrites, especially the Pharisees, who were so particular about the details of the law, yet omitted weightier matters such as justice and mercy and faith. Jesus goes on to say, these, that is the commandments of God, you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Matthew 23 and verse 23. So Jesus stated in this same chapter in verse 26, He says, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish. Why? That the outside of them may be clean also. He wanted them to cleanse the whole self. And this reminds us that Jesus wants our hearts and minds clean first. And this will lead to our outward man being clean also. 
So we must clean our whole self. Well, how do we do that? Well, I've already given you a hint. We, first of all, win the battle for our minds. You know, there's a lot of people that we know and admire that might outwardly look as though they have everything under control in their lives. But sadly, they're losing the battle for their minds. They look structurally sound on the outside, like the hypocrites. They look like whitewashed tombs. But inside, they're in spiritual disrepair. And spiritually, they have become empty shells. And Jesus addressed this danger in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. He said in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And notice what Jesus says. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it, is also, so it also will be with this wicked generation. Why? Because outwardly they look great. They look like these great religious leaders who are experts in the law. And they look like they're leading in a direction that God would be pleased. And Jesus says they're totally empty shells. And we are prime candidates for the devil to win the battle for our minds if we do not fill our minds with the word of God. If we do not resist the devil in all things and if we do not humbly submit to God in all things. That's why James said in James chapter 4, if you'll turn with me there. In James chapter 4, starting in verse 7. James says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I remember years ago, I don't even know how old I was, and it, it, this stuck in my mind. I was watching the Twilight Zone, uh, you know, fairly young. And in this episode, you had this creature, and I, it just kind of a, you know how the Twilight Zone is, they make it creepy. And this creature was uh, talking to this woman, and, and he said, why, why don't you do this? And he said, she said, no, I don't want to do that. He said, well, you know, you ever thought about doing this? And he was trying to get her to go in all these directions that lead to sin and ruin. 
And he just kept on. And, then he, and in this episode, he'd, he'd come every day and do the same thing and just keep trying to lead her astray. Just very graphic. And I'll never forget it because of that. What I, what I remember the m- most is at the end of the episode, this woman finally looked, looked at that, that creature and said, No! No! I'm not going to do it. No! And then the episode ended when the creature went, Ah! Think about it a little bit. Are Are we willing to say no to the devil? This passage is very clear, isn't it? If we resist the devil, if we'll say no to the devil... He'll flee from us. But sadly, many of us appear to have great spiritual strength. But the crack in our armor is seen when we start missing services. Begin spending more time with the world than with our spiritual family. When we start doubting basic, fundamental principles of the Word of God. We start being involved with the lusts of the flesh and envy and hatred. And these things are manifested when we start viewing pornography and sadly wishing ill upon others. That's the the cracks we see in the armor. But they're losing the battle for their minds. We have the free will to resist the devil and he will flee from us. I can't say that enough. We can say no. How many times in your life have you just looked at somebody when they're trying to tempt you to do something you don't want to do and you just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. When I was first administrator, and, and my first boss was a great leader. He, he was just a great guy. And he called me in his office one day, and he said, Larry, I need you to uh, go down and, and uh, be kind of a sponsor for the, the, the dance at the co-op tonight. And I said... Well, Charlie, I'm not going to be able to do that. And he said, well, why aren't you going to be able to do that? I said, because I, I, I don't believe in dancing. He said, well, why not? And I said, well, do you want the technical answer? And he said, yeah, I want the technical answer. And I said, I think dance is, is lasciviousness. And he said, well, what is that? And I said, one definition is unchaste handling of male and female. I don't want to be a part of that. And I'm not going to be a part of it. And he said, you're not going to go down there? I said, no, sir, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you, but that's something that I cannot do. If it's against my conscience and I believe it's wrong, I'm not going to do it. And he said, you're not going to do it? I said, no, sir. And he said, well, okay, we'll, we'll figure out something else. We have to be more courageous, brethren. 
We have to be willing to say, no, I'm not going to do that. No means no, I'm not going to do it. We need to have courage to say it. And have the the mentality, if we want to go to heaven, that that's going to be the way it is the rest of our lives. And that's why the local church is so important. And that's why the Lord in His infinite uh, wisdom and knowledge established local churches. Why? So we could have a family to help us say no to encourage us and sustain us spiritually. That is why it's so important that we meet with the saints of God to engage in spiritual fellowship by singing together and praying together and studying the Word of God God together. And on the first day of the week, remembering the Lord's death together. It's important to be here. You could do nothing more important than what you're doing tonight. Assembling with brethren, the greatest people in the world, to sing songs of praise that was led so effectively. Great job, sir. To be able to pray together like we did. Thank you, sir. And to be able to preach and teach the gospel and learn the word of God together. And that leads me to my second point. We need to fill our minds with the word. Remember in Ephesians 5, 18, the Apostle Paul and their companion passages talks about us being filled with the spirit. And then he tells us how we're filled with the spirit in Colossians 3, 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace to your hearts, to the Lord. To let Christ's word dwell in us is to allow ourselves to to be completely brought under the influence of that word. The Christian must allow the truth of the gospel to supply us with our motivations, to inspire us to make good decisions in life, and make us a habit of determination in all the actions and decisions and directions we have in our lives. And all of us need to be sure that our faith is our life and it's our reference point in life. And that the word of Christ is not merely an, it's something we occasionally visit. But we make it a part of our heart and mind by reading and studying the word every day. We must allow the word to have a permanent residence in our hearts and mind. And we need to exercise our minds by studying that word. And therefore it will completely control every thought. And every deed. And if we want our whole self to be spiritually clean, we must cleanse our hearts and minds of wicked thoughts. We cannot lust. I I was a young preacher. I think I, I was working with Dean, I was probably 24. 
here you had, my dad was one of the elders of the church. And this guy, I think he was about 15 years older than me, he said he wanted to talk to me. And I, I thought, man, why does he want to talk to me? Why is he not talking to daddy? I'm just a young guy. And, you know, you're nervous about what they're going to want to talk about, mostly that young. And he said, I got a problem. I said, well, what's your problem? He said, I, I have a problem. I lust after women. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> he did need to talk to daddy. And he said, well, what do you think about that? And I said, well, he said, how do you think you can help me? I said, well, I think I can help you. He said, well, what's your advice? I said, quit lusting. And that's what my advice was. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, that's still my advice. We need to quit doing it. And I said, but, but I said, you need, to, you need to talk to my dad, the wise elder. And he said, no, no, I don't want to talk to your dad. He'll get everything out of me, so... We have to cleanse our hearts of lust and hatred and pride and arrogance and greed and lying. And we need to fill our thoughts with the Word of God. And I, I cannot say this enough. I've said it all the year, 40 year, over 40 years I've preached that we need to, to read and study the Word of God every day. And parents, you need to read and study the Word of God with your children every day. You need to pray with your children every day. That is why it's so important to do that. Because you need to have daily access to the very thing that's going to help us save our souls. That is why it's important to participate in the Bible studies of the Timberland Drive family. That is why it's so important to assemble, to hear messages preached from God's Word. We need to, to be totally immersed in God's Word. Now, I'm not talking about uh, one night I went to a gospel meeting in Lubbock, and the guy got up there, and I knew him. What a nice guy, very knowledgeable guy. And he, he told all of us, he said, you know, brethren, if, <laughs> he said, if you're not... If you're not reading the Word of God four hours a day, you're just not very faithful to the Lord. And, and I looked around and I thought, man, we're all in trouble. Uh, you got people with secular jobs, and that guy was preaching full-time, and I was preaching full-time at the time. And yes, I have time, time to do that. But what we're, all we're saying is we need to be exposed to God's Word in some capacity every day. And then we need to eliminate things that in, impede our spiritual progress. You see, Jesus challenged the Pharisees to rid themselves of the things of the world, such as power. Pharisees love power and prestige and self-importance. And to put on mercy and justice and faith. However, their spiritual progress was impeded by self-righteousness, hypocrisy, extortion, self-indulgence, and lawlessness. 
You know, I tried to narrow down one passage in Matthew 23 to illustrate this. Just read the whole chapter. And it's just chock full of this thought. But Jesus declares to the people, whatever the Pharisees tell you to observe, that observe and do. Notice, he wanted them to be a, a, have observance of, of the law. But do, but do not do according to the works of these men. For they say and do not. Because all their works they do to be seen of men. And that should never be said of us. That we do what we do to be seen of men. And, I, and I've known people like that. Their life is a category. They're, everything's in a box. Yeah, everything's in a box. Okay, this is my spiritual box. And that, that's what happens on Sunday, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Okay, here's, here's my work box. Oh, and this is, this is my entertainment recreation box. We have to be faithful to the Lord and serving the Lord every minute, second, day, night, week, month, and every day of the year for the rest of our lives. It's a 24, seven days a week privilege to serve the Lord. And we need to be what we are all the time, and that is servants of the Lord, God's servants. And we will make an impact on this world if we'll just be who we are, servants of God that are serving the Lord in the Lord's way, standing for truth. There will be no compromise because the Lord has the right to rule and he tells us what we need to do. And we have to be careful that we do not imitate the Pharisees of old by looking spiritually sound on the inside but being spiritually lifeless on the outside. And let's face it, if we're more concerned about our luxuries, our comforts, our hobbies, our gadgets, our recreational activities and jobs than serving the Lord, we, have, we no longer have Jesus Christ positioned as number one in our life. We may look spiritually sound on the outside while being spiritually lifeless on the inside. Well, what is our purpose in life? Well, ladies and gentlemen, our purpose in life is to serve the Lord, period. Our, ser- our purpose in life is to put the Lord first, period. Our purpose in life is to let our light shine so others can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Our purpose in life is to, to try to treat our wives and husbands as ourselves and look after their best interests without expecting anything in return. And do our best to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And never give in to evil and never give up as far as our, our forward progress and service to God. But continue to be faithful Christians 
as we said last night, even going through the fire. What adds true meaning to our lives, what gives us a clear vision of where we're headed after life ends, is doing what the Lord wants us to do every day of our lives. And sadly, sometimes this fast-paced life we live in can serve as a distraction from what really matters most. Do we sometimes get in these situations, it's, it's either this or ser- serving the Lord? Well, it should be serving the Lord every time. Why? Because He is the King. He is number one in our lives. He's the one that directs our lives. He's the one that's going to save us eternally by or through His grace. And what we need to have is an obedient faith that said, Lord, you speak, I will listen, and I will obey. And I think a lot of times we need to consider the value of the things we do. It would be appropriate for all of us. I'm saying all of us. Because I've been right where you are. I've had those times in my life that I was too busy. And Dan Shipley's words kept just echoing in my ear. When he said numerous times when I heard him preach, if you're too busy to serve the Lord, you're just too busy. And Dan Shipley was right. And I let that happen in my life. And I had to repent to the Lord because of it. I just got too busy. And the Lord needed to be number one. So we need to examine every aspect of our lives and we need to ask the question, does this activity have eternal significance? And the parts of our lives that do not have eternal significance may need to be removed from our spiritual lives through spiritual surgery. That's what Jesus really get across in Mark chapter 9, verses 43, 45, and 47. He's not talking about physical surgery. He's talking about spiritual surgery. And if your hand makes you sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter to life maimed than having two hands to go to hell. And if your foot makes you sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having two feet to be cast into hell. And if your eye makes you sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. If our total focus is on complete obedience to Jesus and his word, we will rid ourselves of anything that stands in the way of being faithful to the Lord. We will also continue to fill ourselves with the Word of God and apply the Word to our lives. Striving for the things of this world, let's just face it, it ultimately brings spiritual emptiness. But striving for complete service to Christ makes us spiritually whole. Solomon declares in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, and keep in mind, he had it all. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter 
Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Solomon concludes that serving the Lord faithfully is obviously what life is all about. Faithfully serving the Lord brings joy, contentment, peace, and hope in this life and creates in us a burning desire for the life to come. You see, with heaven awaiting us, we know death is no longer the end. Nor is it to be feared in Christ the faithful will live forever. Living in fear is not my purpose in life, but I do fear missing out on life's purpose. And you know what life's purpose is? To faithfully serve the Lord and put Him first in our lives. I want to conclude with a comment by F. Lagarde Smith, who said... God doesn't care how attractive we might be on the outside. Anyone could put on a coat of paint to cover up the weathering of passing years. But the believer has a greater promise. The Bible says that those who have come to God are clothed with His righteousness. And this is accomplished by reading the Word of God and applying the things found in therein. And having surrounded us with divine beauty, God looks on the inside and knows how truly beautiful we can be and already are. Why? Because we continually try to cleanse the whole self. I'm going to leave you with three admonitions. Number one, if you're not already reading and studying the Word of God every day, start today. Don't go one day one day without reading and studying the Word of God. Don't ever let it happen. Number two, this week rid yourself of the main thing hindering you from putting the Lord first. And number three, this week perform an act of kindness to at least one person. Years ago, uh, I had a head maintenance guy, and he he came up to me and he said, uh, you know, I'm going to Lubbock. I know you have a meeting there. You just want to ride together. I said, well, when are you going, when you be coming home? I said, this is when my meeting's over. He said, well, I got several things I could, I could pick up, need to pick up, but I'll pick you up from your meeting. We'll go to Sam's last. So we go to Sam's in Lubbock, and I go in with him, and he's, I'm helping him get all the supplies he needs for the school. And then we get in line, and this guy's, you know, this guy's a good worker, seemed to be a very moral background, but we get in this line, and so he finally uh, nudges me and said, uh, he said, Larry, he said, uh, that woman there, I think think she's, uh, I think she's after me. I think she is has her sights on me. I said, "Well, really." And here, you, a married man with two kids, and and I, he, it was winter time, so we both had coats on. I grabbed him by his coat, 
And I drug him over to the next line, just literally drug him to the next line. And I looked at him and I said, we're in, I said, we're in the wrong line. And I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we were in the wrong line. You got to flee. You got to flee from the temptations of this world. You got to get in the, another line. And that young man didn't get, he, he didn't get in, in the right line because he ultimately divorced his wife and married that woman. We need to cleanse our whole selves. And you know where that begins? If you're not a Christian, by being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. And if you've heard the word, you believe it, you will repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Christ and be baptized into Christ. You can have your sins washed away. You can cleanse that whole self and keep it cleansed. Not by doing nothing after that, but filling your spiritual soul with the Word of God. Assembling with the saints of God. And when you do sin... Confess and pray to God that he'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Will you come while together we stand and sing?